Well, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier and joined by uh, a very, very festively adorned Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you doing? I am great, Christian. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Yeah, you have some plans for today? Uh, work. Yeah, just we're just keeping it low key. Have dinner with my wife. Um, but uh, yeah, how about you? Well, yes, the plan is to go to our favorite Neapolitan wood-fired pizzeria called Tiamo. Ooh, where is that located? It's in. It's awesome. Not that I want to crash your party. I just, I just. Tiamo you know, Pizzeria, wood-fired pizza in Bountiful. And it's uh, it's run by a, a, an Italian family. It, it is one of the most authentic Neapolitan pizzas anywhere. And they have a burrata pizza that is just to die for. It's got prosciutto and this, you know, if you don't know what burrata is, it's mozzarella like infused with cream. And it's just, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, of course, ti amo in Italian, if you don't speak Italian, is I love you. So great place to go on Valentine's Day. No doubt. And uh, you would know about Neapolitan pizzas having lived in Naples and, and served yeah. there for uh, a long period of time. So I, I even got to, to throw up the pizza dough and spin it in a pizzeria. I've got pictures of, uh, of me doing that in, in a Neapolitan pizzeria. <laughs> well, I think that's amazing. And uh, I hope you guys have a lovely meal tonight. I'm probably going to check that place out soon because I love a Neapolitan pizza. Yes, dude, absolutely check it out and tell her I said yeah. Last night, my wife made pizza using naan bread as the as the crust. So she makes oh, her really? own naan yeah. uh, because uh, our son likes Indian food. And so love she's quite good at making naan. And, and it makes a really nice, crispy pizza crust. And and so we had a really, really tasty uh, uh, pizza dinner last what night. What a great idea. All right, we've got a ton to talk about here yes. uh, on this very, very special Valentine's Day. I don't know, Spencer. How do we how do we get started on this? There's well, there's so much to discuss here. So so today our our, our topic is really. Um, do, do you remember our title for today? Oh gosh, what's our title for today? <laughs> yeah, well, I I, I actually uh, it it has to do with chat gpt and so our title is the future of teamwork and exploring the impact of chat gpt and i i know you know because we've been talking about this for a long time what it is but you may just not remember the exact title and what's interesting is i use chat gpt to come up with the title for our podcast it gave me like several options and i and i chose this one and i i said just so i could you know, have something to talk about, I asked it to write the description of our episode. And here's what it said. In this episode of the future of teamwork, we dive into the world of chat GPT and its potential impact on the way teams work from improved communication and increased productivity to enhanced collaboration and better decision-making. We explore how chat GPT technology is shaping the future of teamwork. Join us as we discuss the benefits and challenges of integrating chat GPT into the workplace and what it means for the future of work, whether you're a team leader, a technology enthusiast, or simply interested in the future of work, this podcast is for you. What do you think wow. about that description? That's uh, that's pretty impressive. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. I mean, it's a bit long for a podcast description, but hey, man, I got to give uh, ChatGPT pretty high marks. It's really the evolution of crowdsourcing. You know, it's like exactly you, you could throw this out to the to the ether and have you know a bunch of people kind of say well okay this is what this what should be now this is the next level of it uh very very controversial in some respects but uh super super exciting i really feel like uh we're we're entering a new era here we we are and and you know before we jump into that theme i i, I want to just follow along the the valentine's theme for a, a moment and relate it to our topic. I mean, today is Valentine's Day. And so my question to you is, have you ever heard of Cyrano de Bergerac? I have heard of Cyrano de Bergerac. I remember watching the movie a long time ago, but I don't remember too much about it other than he had a really big nose. He had a big nose and he had a crush on. Oh, what was the, what was the, what was her name? Roxanne. 
Roxanne, yes. So Roxanne, and then the other foil in the play, Christian. Is the handsome dude. The What's handsome his name? dude, Christian. Yeah, named after me. After uh, you. That's wow. the handsome dude, yes. And so, <laughs> so Cyrano falls in love with Roxanne, but is, you know, is ugly. And so, I mean, to, to get to the point. And he's struggling to, he's shy, doesn't want to share how he feels because he feels that his love won't be returned, won't, won't be requited. And, and so this other guy who is uh, handsome, Roxanne falls in love with, but he is completely inept, cannot share his feelings, cannot win the affections of Roxanne. But Cyrano has the ability to communicate and to write love letters that he writes on behalf of Christian, who sends those love letters to Roxanne, who then falls in love with Christian because of the love letters. So what does that have to do with ChatGPT? Well, I was reading an article, and it's basically um, some people struggle today expressing their feelings of love especially on a, you know, a Valentine's day. And personally, I've on more than one occasion put my foot in my mouth when it came to letting my wife know how much I love her. So how can you tell that special someone how you feel? Well, the answer might be in AI. Maybe you could turn to chat GPT to, to write your, your Valentine's feelings. And, and according to a, a Forbes article, Chat GPT is, is steaming up those amorous dating apps and online dating portals, and it's causing some problems as well as maybe some benefits, right? Just like Cyrano created problems for <laughs> the love triangle that was going on. I don't know if and there's... How did that ultimately resolve, Spencer? In, in well, so what's interesting is Roxanne fell in love in love with the idea of Christian only because of the letters and eventually found out that he was hollow and vacuous and just pretty on the outside and not so pretty on the inside. And it was Cyrano who may have been not so pretty on the outside, but pretty on the inside in, in terms of his mind and and the beauty of his ideas. And ultimately, she came to her senses and, and fell in love with the beauty of the ideas and the mind. <laughs> so, so we have to be careful because we don't want our significant others to ultimately fall in love with ChatGPT instead of ourselves. <laughs> ultimately, we've got to develop the skills uh, needed uh, to communicate effectively ourselves, right? Good point. But just in case you still want to test it out, here are some ways that ChatGPT can be used creating a dating profile, right? With, with, with generative AI, uh, critiquing your existing profile, basically editing yourself. And I, and I tried that, by the way, I wrote an article and, and, it, and had it edited, it cut out all my favorite parts. So I, I didn't use it. Um, assessing dating prospects, choosing your dating match, crafting open lines, via uh, composing replies, just like, there you go, just like Christian did, right? To match up messages, dating advisement or coaching. Could you imagine getting coaching from, from a robot? Um, oh, here's, uh, here's the best one. Ego booster, when you get your ambitions crushed. So when somebody turns you down, it's like looking at the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, you know, pump me up a little bit. I don't know if it, Don King going around telling everybody how great, what's that boxer was. <laughs> so, uh, he was the promoter of, uh, I think Muhammad Ali and later Mike Tyson, right? Mike Tyson. Um, that's right. So yeah. it goes around. To, so basically chat GPT is, you know, our own personal Don King telling us how awesome we are when, when we have our ego crushed. So, so there you go. That's our, our, our focus on Valentine's day. And now we can get serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because you bring this up uh, from a point of humor, but there are a lot of real-world implications for using this kind of technology, yeah. uh, even outside of this quote-unquote dating and romantic sphere. Uh, we're seeing it. You've you've played around with this chat GPT thing quite a bit. Yes. Uh, you know, what are your impressions? Um, you know, it's... It, it's really interesting. I mean, I've, I've, as you, as you 
I just told you, I wrote the description here. I have done research and I think that's one of the uh, really good sources uh, or purposes for chat GPT is, is going out and finding information and, and getting perspectives. You know, you and I were talking about that earlier. We'll, we'll come back to that. Getting perspectives that, you know, I might not have thought of. I have used it to come up with ideas. Um, I've talked to realtors who use it to leverage their time to create listings for housing. I mean, that's something that doesn't really take a lot of, uh, you know, creativity, but it still just takes time. And when you're wanting to leverage that the little time that you have and be as productive as possible. There's some great ways to, to leverage it in a way that I think really doesn't have an ethical uh, issue. And, and when you're just, you know, listing specs and, and data so that you can, uh, you know, be productive. I, I think that's a, an incredible use. And, and I believe there are ways to use it as a, just as a leverage against time to, do things that are duplicatable, just like a personal assistant, so to speak. And so I'm learning and practicing how I can do that to make myself more productive. Well, how would you how would you envision using this in a team environment, given we're the teamwork podcast? Uh, you know, we've we've talked about a lot of examples uh, that have an individual focus, whether they are, are romantic uh, examples or personal productivity examples. But, you know, Coming from a team perspective, how could teams potentially leverage this kind of technology? So I'm going to give you my answer first, and then I'm going to give you ChatGPT's answers. Ooh, <laughs> exciting. So one of the, 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 the challenges that I've seen with so many teams worldwide has been, and it's not just been since 2020, it, is, it has been for years since the last, this has been an issue for, for me in my professional experience since the last great recession in 20, in 2008, when companies started laying off people and the people that were left had to just pick up the, you know, the, all of the tasks and the responsibilities of those that were left. And so you, you had more people, excuse me, more work being done by less people. And that has created a, a, a decade plus of burnout, of anxiety. I, I remember interviewing a newspaper editor in Missouri who was saying, I'm done. I mean, we have not hired another editor in the last year, and I can't, I can't carry the weight anymore. You have nurses and healthcare workers and doctors that are leaving the industry because they are just so stressed and so overworked. And so we have teams are being impacted by the, just the, the weight of the responsibilities that they are, that they have. And so one of the ways that I think it, it can help is to help fill the, the, some of the labor gap shortages that companies and teams have been experiencing to take some of that burden off. I mean, that to me is one of the, the, the greatest ways that if, if this can help someone do their job more productively in, in less time. Not that they can go home or play video games, but so that they can be more productive and get it all the, everything that's expected of them done and go home in reasonable time. To me, that's a win. It's a huge win. Uh, there's also a risk associated with this. And the risk is that companies see the uh, efficiency gains from ChatGPT and they further reduce their headcount. Oh, you know what? And, you're, you're uh, and so you get right. caught in this vicious uh, circle where, uh, you know, employees oh, are scrambling. You're being productive. We don't need to pay you more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're trying to find tools to help us find some work-life balance. And once we found it, companies are like, oh, you can get more done. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, we're seeing a lot of uh, layoffs in tech recently yeah. uh, for other reasons, but it just adds fuel to the fire. I think it's well, let me, see how this plays out. Let me give you a, a, a real example of, of how a technology could help a, a team. So one of my clients, a construction company in Florida, they build bridges and part of the work that has to be done. I mean, it's very, it's, first of all, they're in Florida in the summer. It's hot. It's hard. 
you know, it's, it's sweaty labor and they have to do a lot of rebar tying. I don't know if you, you know, when you're building bridges, there's a tremendous amount of rebar, which are steel rods that they have to, I mean, they're long and they have to interweave these and every rebar intersection has to be tied with a wire. And how that's traditionally done, Christian, is a human with gloves and these little steel ties has to bend over you can't get down on your knees. I mean, you're standing standing in between these rebar things, and you have to bend over and you have to tie these these this rebar together. It is hard work, and they, you know they they call them rod busters, right? And can you imagine bending over all day long, year, year after year after year, doing that? And so they have uh, entrepreneurs and innovators have created a robot that can sit on top of the construction site and tie all these rods. Well, that means you can have the construction foreman and everybody else doing other work. And they have a hard time finding people who want to do that work and paying them what is a reasonable wage. I mean, $18 an hour for, you know, basic labor is they can make that working at a, 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 you know, at a, a grocery store, Christian. And which would you rather do? Bust your back or bag groceries for the same amount. Well, that's what they're competing against and they can't pay more. So now they've got equipment that can actually do that, that repetitive and hard work. So that actually helps the teams that are there who are struggling to find the positions to fill and do the work that needs to be done. Yeah. There's a lot of mechanical work involved in our jobs, even white collar uh, workers or or people who are thought, you know, the, the the thinking people. There is a there's a lot of mechanical repetitive work, and sure, it's nice to have something that you can offload uh, those those responsibilities onto. So, aside from these efficiency gains, what are some other areas where you think uh, uh, an AI like ChatGPT could help uh, propel a team to higher performance? Well, you know, I, I'm going to answer that. It, it, I gave you a, a, a manual labor example. So let me give you a more white collar example. This was four years ago. A friend of mine, Ken Scriber, who uh, works for, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking. <laughs> uh, one of the big four, let's just say. Uh, um, and he, they, they have used a, they created an AI to read all their contracts. And instead of hiring interns to read the contracts, which was a great learning opportunity for them, they use their, their AI to make sure that they've got all of the T's crossed and I's dotted. And so it's, it's saving labor that way. And many uh, firms in, in white collar settings are using it to, you know, legal, uh, Firms are using it for, for contracts. They're using it for uh, legal plans. Even a, uh, a judge used ChatGP to render a, a sentence, if you can believe that. Just unbelievable that, that that kind of thing is happening. But to answer your question, here's a couple of ways that, that teams can use it. One of the biggest challenges, and my mentor, I've talked about him all the time on, on this show. He was always saying... Um, Kelvin, he was always saying, Christian, he says, the number one problem in business is communication. And we struggle in organizations. And if you take a poll, I've done this many times, what are some of the biggest challenges? And it continues to be poor communication, ineffective communication. So I asked G G uh, chat GPT, what are some of the ways that you know you could help with team performance? And he said, improved communication was the number one response. And specifically, it says it can be, he said, I, I say he, it says, you know, let's not anthropomorphize uh, chat GPT, right? Can be integrated into team communication platforms, allowing for faster and more accurate responses to frequently asked questions, freeing up time for team members to focus on more complex tasks. For example, one of my clients was a security firm. And so they would respond to burglar alarms, to fire alarms, to uh, any type of emergency responses. And the challenge that they would have is routing the calls to a operator in a, a less than a certain amount of time. They had 
by contract, they had to respond in less than 30 seconds. That's a long time when you've got an emergency, right? And so they have implemented an AI in their communication system to identify emergencies and get them to a live person faster and to queue up the ones that are not emergencies or maybe extraneous calls. And those can be then prioritized. So it's a, almost a triage or a prioritization of calls and communication so that people can use their time focused on the most important things rather than on things that are less important. So that's one way. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, there's, that's a very, very interesting example. Uh, I was thinking that, uh, chat GPT is trained on the, the, the text of basically the internet (laughs) as it existed up to, uh, 2021 or something like that. So, uh, in some respects, the collective, the collective knowledge of humanity <laughs> is, is sitting behind this, behind this algorithm. So if you've got a question, uh, you know, from a team standpoint, uh, just like you said, you asked, you asked chat GPT, what are some of the ways it could be used effectively? We in our teams could ask, when we have these kinds of questions where we're looking for some creative thinking, uh, it could give our team a bit of a creative boost. Maybe help us figure out some things or identify some things that we don't necessarily see ourselves because we we're just in the details all the time, right? We're yeah. just doing the work, and and sometimes it's kind of hard to to you know get your head above water and and survey the landscape. You know, having having a dispassionate uh, observer, uh, so to speak, uh, could, could be helpful in in uh, in raising some ideas and you know participating in some type of brainstorming. Of course, all of that has to be vetted, right? You you can't just take it at face value. But and so let's talk about why why is that important to vet? And if you have a an idea, how would you go about that process? I mean, do you do you go to Chat GPT first, or do you brainstorm first and, and then see what maybe you've missed? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know what the best practice is. It's such a new thing that we we're still trying to figure it out. Like we, 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 we haven't been, we haven't incorporated generative AI in our daily work routines for a long period of time. So I think the best practices are continuing to manifest themselves and, and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes over time. Uh, but I do think it's important to understand that chat GPT is sharing what it's sharing, but it may not have all of the context that your team has, right? Because you've got this institutional knowledge that chat GPT is not drawing from, and you understand there's dynamics of people on your team. Uh, and so, uh, you have to... I guess, you know, the cliche would be take it with a grain of salt. Like, okay, it's a tool. It's doing a job. It's it's uh, maybe helping to surface some ideas, but those ideas are going to have to be vetted by your team. You can't just say, oh, well, since, you know, chat GPT said this, and it's the ultimate authority, and that's what we're going to do. Right. Well, and there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, chat GPT cannot innovate because of what you just said. It takes the the knowledge that's already there and synthesizes it. And there's a benefit from synth- synthesizing data, right? And, and collecting it very, very quickly. The risk is it can potentially also bring in false data that is not accurate. So it can pull, you know, true and, and not true data. You Yet mean not that, everything on the internet is true? Correct. <laughs> so one of the things that I notice in working with executives and teams is sometimes they struggle with critical thinking. And so my caution would be, my suggestion would be for best practice is start with your team brainstorming first. Do what you know, even if you're in the weeds, struggle. There, there is, I think there's benefit from struggling and, and, and working. And, you know, I know that takes some time, but it gets our, you know, let's, let's at least exhaust our ideas. And then let's go and see what, what is also out there that can be added to that maybe we haven't thought of. And you know, a couple things that that does is if it reiterates some of the things you've thought of, well, great. Then that's that like the Don King, right? It's like good job. You, you, know, <laughs> we thought of ideas that were confirmed or validated, 
and that gives you a, a confidence booster as well. So, you know, you're not just giving all the credit to the AI, which can take away from your confidence and, and create dependence, so to speak, on that. I see a lot of team members that rely too much on their managers for all the decisions because they don't want to make them. And so giving away your, just like this judge, I mean, why would you take away your ability to, to use what you were hired for, your, your, your judicious experience and your, uh, you know, just what you've been hired for making decisions to a non-entity? I've got a question for you, Spencer. You've you've mentioned you have used ChatGPT. I've used it the same. I, I've used ChatGPT in a number of situations, uh, more out of intellectual curiosity than anything. I, right. I have to say, I haven't really like in a disciplined fashion incorporated it into my workflow or anything like this. Uh, so on the one hand, uh, it's created a lot of excitement for people uh, because we are curious beings by nature. Uh, but at the other side of that, there's a lot of fear, you know, fear that these AIs are going to come and take our jobs and will be replaced. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of excitement in this brave new world, but there's a lot of uh, uncertainty and fear as well. And I know this is something that you have, you've worked on this a lot, even before ChatGPT was around. This is something that you've been focused on for years how do we how do we make sure that uh, uh, we're, we're not replaced by these AIs? You know, how do we find some kind of some level of security uh, in such an uncertain environment? Well, good question. But and and first, let me say there is real. I, I've given you some examples of of how technology is replacing jobs, and even back in 2016 and 2017, Warren Buffett was saying, listen, I'm not an AI expert, but if, if we can figure out way, you know, you talk about the hype, well, that's from investors and Wall Street, right? They're excited because technology does not ask for raises and doesn't need healthcare. And it can solve some of the, the labor shortages and labor gaps and, and do unsafe work and repetitive work. And those are good things. Yet what's happening now is it is getting a little bit out of hand in the fact that it is um, it is doing all kinds of work. It, it's t replacing the work of journalists. It's, as I said, it's, um, it's replacing voice actors. Even in your work in the Olympics, it's replacing translators. So those are jobs that, that aren't have. It's writing screenplays, you know, books. People are using it to write their articles and, and books. It's, uh, kids are using it to write their essays to get into college. I mean, there's so many problems with that. And ultimately, I think, you know, we, if we rely too much on this, we can be in a place where we are dependent on, on a technology that um, weakens our ability. I, I just see that in our use of smartphones over the last, you know, how many years, 16 years, 15 years we've been using our smartphones. We, in many ways, our communication skills are diminishing. So we're losing some of what makes us unique over the technology. And that is our humanness. So to answer your question, what is the thing, what are the things that can help us to compete? It is what makes us human. It's our ability to connect. It's our ability to relate. It's our ability to have empathy. And people, when they hear empathy, they think, oh, you know, that's one of those touchy-feely soft skills. It is not a soft skill. As a matter of fact, let me, let me share uh, a quote with you. And I'm going to put this actually on, on the screen. Um, well, no, because that will, that will cut you out. I want to keep you up there. This is a quote from the former CEO of Telefonica Germany, Rene Schuster. And she says, Christian, empathy is not a soft, nurturing value, but a hard commercial tool that every business needs as part of their DNA. Our aim is to make every interaction our customers have with us an individual one. And, you know, they implemented empathy training at, at, at uh, Telefonica Germany and their in two weeks, their customer service scores increased, you know, increased by 6% just from working on increased empathy. And why is it a hard skill? Because 
I, I think we, we misunderstand what empathy actually is. The Navy uses a, the principle of empathy in their top gun training to help their pilots be more effective at killing the enemy. How is that possible? How is that related to empathy? What do you think? I mean, I'm totally putting you on the spot here, but <laughs> what, what would you think about that? Wow, that's a really, really interesting question. I had no idea that uh, the Navy incorporated it. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm at a loss other than and to think that you've got, uh, you know, loyalty to your teammates and and stuff, but also, uh, you know, understanding that you're not just battling some faceless enemy but they are real people on the side i think it's got to be that's got to be hard to 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 deal with well I, I think that's really good i think about for a moment um you ever watched maverick you know top gun and all those movies and and what you know what do they show those those navy pilots i mean what's the personality what's the demeanor well they're very they're very confident right they in their abilities they're competitive Yes. Um, they want to be the best. And um, how can that, and there's a, there's an element of hubris, right? How could that cause problems? Uh, uh, you know, to, to, to quote, uh, Luke Skywalker in star Wars, your, your, your overconfidence is your weakness. You are so good, Christian. Right. (laughs) And so think about for a moment, what empathy means. If I have empathy for my enemy, it means I respect them. It means I respect their capabilities, their 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 training, their knowledge. I, I, I'm willing to study them. I don't just assume that I know everything and can and can defeat them. I have a humility that causes me to um, want to know more about them and understand them. Not that you know that 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 would cause you to to let them destroy you, but to help you to protect you and your family. So in, in a way, that's that's empathy. The same in business. If I have hubris, I don't care about the competition or anything that uh, that they're doing. But if I do care, I want to know what's happening so I can make sure that I'm ad- adapting to the customer's needs, to what they want, and not just what I think is important. That's a form of empathy. Does that does that make sense? And so yeah, it totally makes sense. That that you can't you can't get from a machine. And that comes, that, that's part of what makes us human. And so connecting with and collaborating, and that leads to another thing that I think is really interesting that gives us an edge over AI, and that is storytelling. Even though AI is writing screenplays and books, again, it's only creating stuff from what it already exists. It's not able to create new stories. And so why don't you share with with our listeners what happens to our brains when we tell stories well i mean there's a lot of science behind the stories but but the studies show that when we hear a story that's compelling to us we you know things start firing in our brains and we start feeling a connection with the person right. who is telling the story Stories are a great way to build empathy because right. as as you start hearing the story, you start relating yourself. You start just automatically putting yourself in that person's shoes, trying to imagine what it would be like to be in that person's shoes. We, we, we see this all the time when we're reading books or we're watching a movie that's really engrossing or we're having a, a, a really... Um, uh, intimate conversation with someone, we start to, you know, when we hear those stories, we start to to put ourselves in their place. We start to build connection and understanding uh, with that person. It's it's an incredibly powerful mechanism. It's why it's been used for thousands and thousands of years. It's not like we just figured it out. Oh, we should just tell stories. I mean, we've been telling stories since the very, very beginning. I mean, the Bible, Right. is basically a bunch of stories that have been told for thousands and thousands of years, right? right? So this is this it has is the, it has the power, to our DNA. It has the power to influence and move people. Now, a judge, a, a robot judge could render a decision, but do you really want to take that decision from a non-entity? We have 
as humans, we want to connect with other humans. It's, it, it's what, it's what makes us alive. And, you know, you've got so many advantages over a computer, even DARPA. I don't know if you, anyone knows what that is. The defense advanced research projects agency uses stories in their work to, to defend. And they use, it's all about innovation in that organization. And they, one of the one of the most powerful tools they have is telling stories, and what, they've used that to fight terrorism, and to you know to help counteract a lot of the the stories that the terrorists are using to recruit uh, young people to their cause. And so, what is what's going to give you the edge? Learning how to use your human skills to a deeper level, having greater empathy, having better communication. And, and as we rely more on technology, you, our ability to communicate and have empathy will actually be threatened. And so if you're able to maintain those, you will have an advantage in the workplace because those will continue to be needed. Even chat GPT says, listen, we're, uh, this technology is not used to, is not designed to replace people. It's used to enhance them. And so as we become more reliant on those, what are you doing to keep your human skills, call it, strong? And so develop those. Storytelling, the ability to, to work well with different types of people, to be able to adapt to your environment. Uh, those types of skills are so, so important. And so I think those are a couple things that, that can be done. Christian, any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the fact is, throughout history, uh, technology has come to replace jobs. Yep. <laughs> you know. That's where the uh, word sabotage comes from, right? Is from yeah. the, the, the technology innovation of the Industrial Revolution, buildings, making socks, automating it. So they would take their, their wooden shoes, the sabots, and throw them in those machines because they were taking their cottage uh, livelihoods, right? Yeah, and we, as you mentioned, we have seen this particularly since the Industrial Revolution. Uh, uh, the The job market has continued to evolve to accommodate these new technologies. And at every step of the way, people have been displaced. So it's a reality that we have to confront. Yes. However, I think something you said was very important uh technology including ai can replace and may replace some of our jobs but will never replace us and i think that's the that's the key difference sometimes we feel and we feel sometimes so defined by our work that when something comes and threatens it uh not only is it a is it a threat to our ability to provide for ourselves and feed ourselves and our families. So there's a financial threat, but there's also a threat to our perceived identity because we often define ourselves or identify ourselves with our careers. I'm a consultant. I, I'm a, I'm a construction worker. I'm an engineer. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. And when, when those, uh, careers get threatened by these new kinds of tools, it can cause a very real concern. Not just, I can't feed my family, but who am I actually? Right. But I think we should take comfort in the fact that ultimately our, identify, our, identify, our identity, excuse me, doesn't need to be defined by our careers uh, or what we do. Um, there's so much more to us and we can learn to work with these new technologies, as you said, to enhance the things that we already do or learn to do new things. I, I, I see entirely new fields popping up here with just for people. Who, I can see people earning a lot of money who know how to interact with these AIs. And so that is such an important point. And what usually happens is that new technology creates entire new verticals of you know, of, of, of professional need. And so that is a, a great point. People who learn how to use it and use it to their advantage and in combination with those human skills that we talked about are, are going to have a great advantage. So, so what are the ways that 
let's just reiterate how uh, generative AI can impact team performance. Number one, it can help do some of the, those those jobs that are challenging and fill labor gaps and labor shortages, and so that team members can focus on maybe more important or higher function, cognitive functioning type of, of work, improving communication, like we talked about in, in routing information to where it needs to go. So increase productivity, in, improve decision-making, use it in our, in our brainstorming, and enhanced collaboration. We use technology like we're using right now to be in separate lo- locations, and we can collaborate with people all over the world. So those are some of the ways that it helps us. Now let's talk about what are some of the challenges? What are the, what are the shortcomings? We mentioned a few, right? That it may not have everything that is correct, just like we might not, right? But we need to be very careful about the information that we gather and not just take at face value that it's accurate. Any other challenges that you see? Uh, I think that's the big one, which is um, establishing credibility and, and, so, uh, but also, the, I mean, there's a danger that um, we rely on it too heavily to do things that it it looks like it, it can do, but actually it may not be able to do. And so we, we should not forego our critical thinking skills, as you mentioned, uh, very right, rightly so. We should not forego those and just say, oh, well, uh, you know, according to ChatGPT, it says this, and therefore it must be so. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go. We have to. If anything, we have to we have to do a better job of cultivating these critical thinking skills. Right. So it's not Don't just let those atrophy. That's yeah, super important. So the communication, the empathy that you talked about, so so important. But along with that, uh, you know, these these critical thinking skills. Are going to become paramount, I think, in these uh, in these times for us to effectively use these tools and not let them uh, inadvertently lead us down strange roads. Yes, as I would say. Well, I, and I think there's another problem with generative AI that we haven't mentioned yet, and that is there basically the ethics of it, and that is people taking credit for the work of generative AI. For example, we mentioned a someone who wants to get into college using that for an entrance exam. Well, that's, you know, that's cheating. And that's really not uh, a a good use of the platform because, you know, using it to, again, that's replacing your, your innovation, your critical thinking skills. And those are things that will help you compete in the workplace. But we have, I think we've put such a high value on appearing to be, smart and, and, uh, productive and having degrees that makes us, you know, all the credibility that comes from, from the trappings of success that sometimes we forget that, no, it's really more important what we know than, than what people think, you know, who we, we show up to be. And so we need to make sure that we're working on, on constantly improving our skills and not just our resume. I, I don't know if that if I'm saying that very well. I'm just kind of making this up as I go. No, no. I mean, it completely circles back to the Cyrano example, right? right? Uh, so that's exactly it, you're right. It's being you know, it's, the person that Roxanne wants to love, right? That's that's it's being the doctor that knows what they're doing rather than just hey, I passed all the tests because I I got the answers from you know. By the way, AI has passed a medical exam, so. Like somehow I can figure out how to use that to get it. Wouldn't that be awful to be operating yeah, with yeah. somebody that didn't have to struggle through medical school? I mean, you know, there's, there's, there, there's benefits to this technology, no doubt. But like you say, uh, if we're using it to kind of cover up our weaknesses, for example, uh, then I mean that doesn't work. It didn't work in in uh, Cyrano's day. It's not working today, you know. And and I remember going to school. I mean, in, in college, you know, there was. I, I remember being in the lab, the computer lab, uh, and working on an assignment there. And I overheard a conversation where one student was telling another student, 
hey man, I paid you 50 bucks to write this thing. So, you know, get it done. It's got to be better than that. And and now this is just an evolution of the same kind of thing, which is, so true. you know, rather than us trying to actually earn our knowledge, because I had a teacher who told me that 90% of learning was earning. You just took the letter L off of it. And that's what you got is earning. Uh, if you don't go through that process of earning it, then uh, what you're left with is you, you're very, very shallow, just like uh, uh, Christian in, in Cyrano de Bergerac was. And, and well, ultimately- that's another job janitor of AI is taking away people who write papers for other people. Like in what's that guy in suits? <laughs> he was <laughs> taking tests for other people. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it, that stuff's been going on for ages and this is just an evolution of that. <laughs> That's true. And the outcomes and, and the risks are no different. Uh, you know, ultimately you, you, you get found out. And, I, I had a thought one, one last thought I had was one other job that it might, might hurt. And that is palm readers or psychics. Mm. I don't know. I, I haven't asked it. Uh, have you asked any I astrology I just, uh, or numerology? I've never or... been to a palm reader or a psychic, but I was just wondering if people go, they feel like they have to rely on somebody else besides their own judgment and wisdom. So they go to palm readers or, or psychics. Well, now you can just go to chat GPT to get, you know, to read your future, your, your uh, horoscope. <laughs> I haven't like done the, that, but try it. <laughs> it's the evolution of the magic eight ball, right? You, That's you exactly. shake that thing and. See what it told you. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I think that the, the biggest message from today is, you know, it, this generative AI can really help teams when it's used judiciously and wisely and, and that we're very careful. And, and, and that's going to require some vigilance on leaders' parts and, and the individual responsibility as well to, to not become overly reliant on it. Uh, on the other hand, if it can help us be more productive and communicate better and collaborate better, then those are good things for for team performance. I will say there are now a plethora of articles online. I've seen some on LinkedIn with very pragmatic ideas about how to use yes. uh, chat GPT to increase your own uh, productivity or your your organization's productivity. And, you know, we'll look for some of the links. We can, we can share links uh, uh, in our, when we share the post uh, uh, or share the podcast on social media. I'm sure media the platforms want us to use that so that they can start charging us for it, right? And, and, <laughs> and OpenAI is competing openly with Google. There's a big war right now between Google and Microsoft and, and also other Chinese companies that are, I forget the name of them. I can look it up. Really well, quickly. Baidu is one. That's right. Um, uh, um, that's it. Yes. So anyway, there's all these other companies that are trying to compete with Bing. This is basically resurrected Bing as a, as a platform OpenAI has. And, and, uh, and that's been the butt of jokes for years and years, but you know, they're, they've, they've really created some competition for Google, which can be a good thing because Google's had a monopoly on really search AI and, and algorithms for a long, long time. So there's, we're, we're getting people hooked on this. So I wonder there's some, there's some reasons why they're giving us all these great ideas because they want us to use it. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Uh, Spencer, it's been, it's been a pleasure to speak with you about this subject. I know you have studied this a lot over the years, AI, uh, and I appreciate you also sharing your chat GPT journey with us so far and how you've been using it. If people want to learn more about how you a real person, not just an AI, uh, can help their organizations improve their team performance. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Just ask ChatGPT, who is Spencer Horn? I wonder. I should do that see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, just connect with me on LinkedIn. I, you know, I'm getting lots of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn. I, I just had a request yesterday and I just got a, a, actually two requests yesterday. And that, that is really interesting. So do that. That's a great way to do it. You know, one of the things that we didn't tell our listeners is that you are actually competing in a storytelling contest tomorrow at the National Speakers Association Mountain West Chapter monthly meeting. 
Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that topic is really, really interesting that you're you're speaking on. Well, first of all, I'm super honored to be uh, in the competition and selected as a finalist to share the story. And perhaps ironically, <laughs> my story is about how I got ChatGPT to write the story to enter into the storytelling contest. So it's kind of a story within a story. It's a bit of an inception kind of thing, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, that was a really interesting experience. It was the first time that I really tried using ChatGPT. And I, and I did it as a bit of a thought experiment, but I actually learned a lot. So uh, we'll include the link because anybody can watch this on Zoom. Yeah. So, so we'll include the link with the with the podcast today yeah and i invite anybody who is interested to come and hear all of the stories there are 10 finalists with amazing stories starting i think around 4 p.m mountain time that's right wednesday the 15th of february and the last story that's tomorrow that's tomorrow yeah tomorrow the 15th of february wednesday and the last story if i saw the sheet correctly is me you are the uh, last story, and it is correct. At and seven fifty, so it's a long, it's a long haul, it's four p.m. to eight p.m. Uh, but I will be on stage at seven fifty p.m. Mountain Time on the fifteenth of February tomorrow, That's and correct. really, really looking forward to it. I am too. So, so if you want to know if you want to hear about how how a, <laughs> uh, an AI writes a story to enter into a storytelling contest. Uh, Come, yeah, but the, the you have to deliver it. And you have been memorizing and working and doing all this stuff and speaking to a live audience, which people will pay attention to. They won't just pay attention to the robot. But the interaction that you've created with that is a fascinating story. And I think will really speak to people. And I'm so excited. So that's an example of an AI enhancement of somebody who's already brilliant. And that is Christian Napier. How can people find you outside of that experience? Uh, you can find you can find the enhanced me. No, that sounds terrible. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Valentine's Day. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. So just search for Christian Napier. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with everyone, and uh, look forward to having conversations with you all, Spencer. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for joining me on a Valentine's Day. I, and listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll catch you again next week. We've got a special guest joining us, Vance Valencia, and I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation.